my name is Nicola Smith. I'm a regulatory lawyer from Squire Patton Boggs. I cover all aspects of um, food, safety, hygiene and information law and also some alcohol and entertainment licensing. The topic of this podcast for the FDF today is the impact of Natasha's law on food information and labelling requirements. Um, And Natasha's law comes into force later this year on the 1st of October. I should mention at the start that this podcast is going to focus mainly around the requirements for foods which are pre-packed for direct sale as that's the category of food which Natasha's law will affect. And it is the case that under Natasha's law, the direct responsibilities for the provision of allergen information are going to generally fall on the food service provider or the retailer who is packing that pre-packed for direct sale food, not the food manufacturer. But it's also the case that changing responsibilities for the food service provider and the retailer are almost certainly going to lead to them placing additional requirements on the manufacturer. Uh, The manufacturer is going to owe duties to ensure the information it provides are correct in any event, of course, under food safety laws. So I'm also going to comment Tasha's law in the context of the wider food law framework and what Natasha's law will mean for suppliers to the retailer or the food service provider who are packing the pre-packed for direct sale foods. I suspect that there'll be a range of business types and persons with different levels of expertise who may listen to this podcast. And some of you may be very familiar with certain parts of what I'm going to be talking about, but hopefully there'll be something of interest for all. So following those introductory comments, um, I thought it would be helpful to touch on how Natasha's law is going to sit within the overall framework of food safety and information law to give some context to the changes that are coming in on the 1st of October. So Natasha's law, or to give it its full title, the not-so-catchy Food Information Amendment England Regulations 2019, is essentially a set of regulations which amends the Food Information Regulations 2014, uh, which in turn implement and enforce the EU rules on food information and labelling, which is the EU Food Information for Consumers Regulation. Now, although it's an EU law that has carried over into the UK as retained law following the end of the Brexit transition period. The amendments made by Natasha's law, as I said, relate specifically to the category of pre-packed for direct sale foods. And I'll come on to what that means in a little while. But in terms of that framework, the food information regulations sit alongside the food safety regulations. So things like the Food Safety Act, the food safety and hygiene regulations, and then at an EU level, uh, the general food law regulation 178-2002, and as I say, the EU um, food information for consumers regulation. Um, And they define concepts such as food. Um, So the definition of food um, includes essentially something for human consumption, and it includes drinks. And they also define the food business operator and what that means within within the legislation. Although we've had rules in relation to the labelling of pre-packed foods for many years uh, under the food labelling regulations before the EU Food Information for Consumers law, 
it's important to remember that the relatively new requirement which came in under that EU law in December 2013, which was to declare specified allergens for non-prepacked foods uh, typically available in a food service environment, um, so for example meals served in restaurants uh, or unwrapped products served in a butcher's or a deli counter for example, uh, was in addition to those laws which already existed to protect consumers, um, which were those food safety laws that I've mentioned. Labelling requirements and food safety obligations are separate. One doesn't replace the other. And they both sit side by side in this regulatory framework. It's also worth remembering that in addition to potential liability under the regulations, if a business gets things wrong, there's also the possibility of civil liability for negligence. And what I mean by that is an individual claiming for damages or compensation due to an injury or loss that they say they've suffered where the business had a duty of care which they breached and that breach resulted in the injury or loss claimed. But if there are sensible precautions in place, hopefully there should be no need for either criminal or civil liability. I think it's probably also just worth saying in terms of the, the regulatory framework and the, the legal framework in which Natasha's law sits, that law isn't just limited to Acts of Parliament, regulations and EU law. Um, it also includes case law, and that's decisions of the courts um, that help us to interpret um, the legislation in practice and what it actually means. And that case law can provide precedents for how enforcement authorities, such as trading standards um, and the court, should interpret those legal provisions in the future. And where there's any uncertainty as to how the amendments in Natasha's law should be applied, uh, that case law may become very important. But obviously, because it's a new law, we don't yet have that case law guidance available. So it's also worth saying in relation to that framework of laws that guidance that's available from government bodies or agencies, um, generally in food law, that will include uh, departments like the D Department of Health, which, which will have relevance to things like nutrition, uh, DEFRA, which guidance from DEFRA may have relevance to things like animal health, for example, um, and, and the Food Standards Agency, um, which will have relevance to uh, food safety um, and, and hygiene compliance. And, and that guidance is going to be, I think, particularly important in the case of the implementation of Natasha's law, because the relevant law itself doesn't actually include much by way of definitions. I thought it might also be helpful uh, before moving on to what Natasha's law actually says, just to spend a couple of minutes talking to you about the current requirements for the provision of allergen information for that category of foods known as prepacked for direct sale foods, i.e. what the law is now for those products and what it's going to be up until the 30th of September this year. And actually, currently, and indeed since the food information regulations first came into force in 2014, those pre-packed for direct sale foods are treated in exactly the same way as non-pre-packed foods are, such as that meal in the restaurant or the unpacked foods on the deli counter or in a butcher's. 
And that is that if that non-prepacked food contains allergenic ingredients, by which I mean one of the 14 allergens that are specified under the EU regime, uh, so things like cereals, um, eggs, etc., which we'll come on to later, the, the current law simply says that you have to make that information available to customers and that can either be in writing or it can be verbal. So the UK regulations make clear that it's up to the food business operator themselves as to how that allergen information is provided for that non-prepacked food. So including foods which are prepacked for direct sale. And they just have to, um, if they are going to provide that information verbally, tell the customer how they're going to give them that information. So your typical example will be a sign up saying, if you want information on the allergens in our foods, please ask a member of staff. Um, and actually it is a requirement that if they are going to provide that information verbally, the food business operator has to either put a label on the food or um, they have to tell the customer on a notice, a menu or, or a ticket or label um, that, that that's how they're going to obtain their allergen information. Um, and importantly, that, that notice or that label has to be at the place where the intending purchaser chooses the food. Basically, it's sensible for food service businesses and retailers to be trying to cater for their customers with allergies to make it easy for them to choose the foods that they want. Some retailers and food businesses provide allergen information online on their website, but that doesn't mean it doesn't also have to be provided in store because it's only if it's only online, it's not necessarily available at the place where the purchaser chooses their food, which, as I say, is one of the requirements if you're going to provide that information verbally. It's also worth saying that although it's clearly lawful for the information to be given verbally at the moment, um, if a food business operator is going to be relying only on verbal information, it may be much more difficult to demonstrate that they're complying with the requirement to make those information on those 14 specified allergens available. Um, and it may also be difficult to ensure that that information is given accurately. Um, so at the very least, um, you should, of course, have as a, that retailer making that information available, um, your allergen matrices and details by way of written information that staff could can refer to, to ensure that they give the customer the correct information. So perhaps I can and, and should turn now to the changes that Natasha's law going to is, is going to make to those current requirements. And as I said, this isn't for all categories of food. It's not for all of your non-prepacked restaurant meals, uncovered things on the deli counter or on the butcher's counter, but it's actually for that really narrow category of foods which are known as prepacked for direct sale. Now, if we cast our minds back a few months, um, the Food Standards Agency and Food Standards Scotland came out in support in 2019 of these foods being labelled essentially in the same way as other types of packed foods, and that is with a full ingredient list. And that, that recommendation um, and support for that proposal followed some fairly high profile 
inquests and a consultation on changes to that current regime that we've just talked about. Draft legislation was then published and that draft legislation was um, to implement that full ingredient labelling for prepacked for direct sale foods from the 1st of October. So what I mean by that is not just labelling the 14 allergens, which was one of the options originally proposed in the consultation, but labelling all of the ingredients in the same way that you might for prepacked foods. And the requirement is that the list of ingredients is given directly on the package or on a label attached to it. Um, it has to comply with the requirements for ingredient lists for prepacked foods. So, for example, it has to be in a minimum font size. It has to be conspicuous. It has to be visible. It has to be legible. So you have to be able to read it. Um, and where appropriate, it has to be indelible. So there's no point putting it on with um, type or, or pen that can be easily rubbed off. And the particulars mustn't be hidden, obscured or interrupted in any way by other uh, text or other pictures. Um, so essentially, you can't put a label on with the list of ingredients and then cover that up with another label with a nice picture on of the product or, or with some other text, such as claims, for example. And within that list of ingredients, any relevant ingredient or processing aid which causes allergies or intolerances which are used in the, in the manufacture or preparation of that food and still present in the finished product has to be highlighted in that ingredient list in accordance with the requirements for pre-packed foods, which is essentially a requirement that the allergen appears after the ingredient um, and highlighted in a different font, um, which is typically bold. In line with existing requirements for ingredients lists for other types of pre-packed food, those ingredients also have to be in descending order of weight. Now, obviously, that is very different from the current arrangements, which I talked about a few minutes ago, where you just have to make the information on those 14 allergens available in the way that you see fit, including verbally, if you want to. And it's much a much more onerous requirement on the retailer um, who is going to be packing and selling those foods. Now, some people have asked me following a webinar that I presented on this for FDF a couple of weeks ago, um, whether there is a, um, a, a transition period. And the short answer to that is that there isn't. The legislation has already been approved, as I said, um, and the legislation was approved with the, with the future date for it to come into force being the 1st of October this year. So when the new law comes in on the 1st of October, any pre-packed for direct sale products which come within the scope of Natasha's law, which are offered for sale on that day, will need to comply with that labelling requirement. So what that means is that any preparation for the 1st of October really needs to be done now. When the draft legislation was published, um, the Food Standards Agency had said that they were developing a revised working in interpretation of the types of food to which this legislation would apply by way of guidance to operators. So that is essentially what prepacked for direct sale means. Um, and they did actually decide to consult with businesses on what that guidance should look like. 
Now, that consultation closed in March last year. It consisted um, of a summary of what the um, what the questions were um, and what the opinion was being sought on as part of the consultation, together with the draft guidance for comments. Um, and actually, that's quite those comments that were received in response to that consultation are quite interesting to look at because I do think that those comments help us to understand um, what the concerns are of some that are in the business, food business um, about the amended legislation. Um, so I'm going to come back to that in a few minutes. Uh, but first, I just wanted to mention what the legal definition is of food that is pre-packed for direct sale, such as it is. Um, because in fact, all the UK regulations do in terms of a definition for pre-packed for direct sale is to refer back to the EU's Food Information for Consumers regulation. And the only real reference to pre-packed for direct sale in that Food Information for Consumers regulation is within the definition of, of pre-packed food. Um, so the Food Information for Consumers regulation basically says that pre-packed food means any single item for presentation as such to the final consumer and to mass caterers consisting of a food and the packaging into which it was put before offered for sale, whether such a food packaging encloses the food completely or only partially. Uh, but in any event, in such a way that the contents cannot be altered without opening or changing the packaging. And excuse me, as you can probably tell, I have to read that one out. <laughs> um, and then it goes on to say, pre-packed food does not cover foods packed on the sales premises at the consumer's request or pre-packed for direct sale. So in my mind, all you can really tell from that article is that pre-packed for direct sale is different to other types of pre-packed food and it's different to foods which are packed on the sales premises at the customer's request. It doesn't really tell us what pre-packed for direct sale actually means. So going back to my comment earlier about the legal framework, um, that's why I think that in the case of Natasha's law, guidance is going to be really important, certainly until we have any case law on this, to try and work out what prepack for direct sale actually means, i.e. what products Natasha's law is going to apply to. So I'm going to come back now to what the FSA says in their technical guidance um, which has been amended following the consultation that I talked about as to what prepack for direct sale actually means. Um, and for all of the reasons that I've talked about, I think that actually it's very likely that a lot of reliance will be placed on this guidance um, by enforcement officers, for example, as to which products are within the scope of Natasha's law. So what does the FSA guidance says? Um, prepack for direct sale means food that is packed before being offered for sale by the same food business to the final consumer on the same premises, on the same site or on other premises if the food is offered for sale from a movable and or temporary premises. So if we just break that down a little bit, um, food that's packed and sold on the same premises 
Well, you can think of some fairly obvious examples of that. So it might be, for example, a sandwich, which is uh, prepared back of house in a in a store kitchen, then put into a box and then taken to the front of house fridge for sale. Similarly, with, with a box salad, um, it might be prepared in that store kitchen and then packaged up and brought round to the fridge for sale. Looking then at the reference to um, something that's made on the same site, well, that's perhaps a little bit more difficult to understand, but actually um, there's some more detail on that in the guidance, um, which says that site for these purposes refers to something that's that's made um, uh, and, well, something that's packed before off being offered for sale by the same food business in the same building complex uh, where it's as to that where it's offered for sale so by building complex that might mean something like a shopping center or an airport terminal according to the guidance um, and where that um, particular food business operates for more than one unit within that complex and again it's fairly easy to think of some examples of that um, because you will often see in airports, for example, operators that have multiple units and um, are operating under different brands sometimes. And they will have a single prep kitchen uh, where they make those sandwiches, make those salads, pack them and then sort of wheel them within the airport to one of the different brands for onward sale. And those are going to be treated as pre-packed for direct sale foods and therefore will be within the scope of Natasha's law. The reference to movable or temporary premises uh, might include situations where, for example, a coffee van um, which goes to festivals um, before they set off um, to, to go to sell at the festival, um, wrap sandwiches or cakes which the operators made um ready for sale um so uh, although that's not technically the same premises or the same site where they're being made if the operator's making them in their kitchen and then transferring them again that's going to be within the scope of natasha's law um, and as i said earlier it is worth remembering when you're thinking about what that definition of pre-packed for direct sale food um, will mean um that the definition of food covers drink as well as foods within the meaning of the EU general food law regulation. So businesses might also need to consider whether cold and hot drinks um, supplied to customers are pre-packed for direct sale, i.e. if they're packed before being offered for sale by that same food business to the final con consumer on the same premises on the same site or on other premises if the, if the food is offered for sale from a movable and or temporary premises. The key thing to remember is that the FSA interpretation actually, much like the previous definition, confirms that pre-packed for direct sale foods does not include foods that are packed on request. So for example, if you've got a bakery um, and the, a customer chooses a cake 
Um, and after the customer chooses a cake, the staff then put it in a box or a bag. Um, that's not going to be within scope because those that is packed on request. Similarly, if um, somebody makes birthday cakes to order, um, because the customer has ordered it in advance, um, it's that is going to be treated as packed on request. So not within the scope of um, Natasha's law because it's not considered to be pre-packed for direct sale. It also won't cover um, those meals served without packaging or food served without packaging. So that might be, for example, um, things store, served in the sandwich is that are served in store cafes um, if they're served without packaging. Um, and, and it also won't include um, food ordered via distance selling. So, for example, if you've got something like a pizza ordered over the phone or on the Internet um, or indeed foods that are sold via uh, one of the sort of delivery sites like Deliveroo or Uber Eats or Just Eats, um, that is not going to be subject to Natasha's law either because distance sales are specifically excluded um, from the definition of prepacked for direct sale in the FSA's technical guidance. Um, although that doesn't mean you don't have to provide any information because, of course, the existing law, which I talked about a little earlier in terms of making information on those 14 specified allergens available, still applies to all of those categories of food. Um, and for distance sales, you have to make that information available at the point of order and at the point of delivery. So in short, the changes under Natasha's law won't affect the majority of products which are sold in retail stores or by food service businesses, but it will affect some products. And for those operators who prepare and pack food to go for customers, um, so, for example, um, items which are baked on site and, and boxed and wrapped for customers to self-select, um, or those sandwiches and salads that we talked about earlier, um, that is going to be impacted by Natasha's law. And I'm going to look at some of the examples in the guidance in, in a couple of minutes, which will help to set that out further. But before I do that, um, I just wanted to touch on, as I said I would, some of the responses to the um, consultation on that amended uh, technical guidance from the FSA uh, and their definition of what isn't and what isn't uh, prepacked for direct sale foods, i.e. what products this new labelling requirement is going to apply to. And firstly, in terms of responses, um, some respondents said that um, they thought the FSA should clarify the legal status of the guidance and the extent to which it can be enforced. And the FSA actually clarified, as I've said, that it's guidance only, it's not law. Um, it's the failure to comply with the food information regulations, which has been amended by Natasha's law, that's the, the offence, not the failure to comply with the guidance. Um, but as I said before, um, for this particular law, it's likely that the guidance will be very persuasive because the definitions in the legislation um, are not very clear. Um, so um, the guidance, I think, certainly will be will be taken at face value by enforcement officers, even if ultimately we get a court's view um, saying something slightly different. 
Some respondents to the consultation um, were also concerned that requiring pre-packed for direct sale foods to be labelled in a similar way to other types of pre-packed food. So, for example, a uh, pre-packed food that's made, a packet of crisps that's made in a factory on different premises to where it's ultimately sold. That doesn't remove the risk of confusion for consumers. Um, and those respondents said that actually that it might actually discourage consumers from asking staff for information if you're labelling prepack for direct sale foods and prepack foods in the same way, because they won't necessarily appreciate that one's been made on site. And so um, there is information available from the people that have made it and the other is made somewhere else. Um, and in response to that comment um, in, on the consultation responses, the Food Standards Agency clarified that the important that it is important to have informed staff who can answer those customer queries on allergen information. That's essential. It, it doesn't change because Natasha's law is coming in. Um, the FSA also said that those new requirements are separate and additional to the to the expectation that staff will be well placed to answer those questions. But that perhaps goes back to what I was saying at the start of this podcast, which is that food safety law continues to apply. Uh, and under that food safety law, it's an offence to sell unsafe food. And of course, the information that's provided with a food is one of the factors in considering whether or not a food is safe. Uh, now, part of that might be the ability of staff preparing the food to be able to confirm the possibility of allergens present by way of cross-contamination. But the fact that it's important doesn't necessarily mean that consumers won't be confused. So operators may still want to continue to display notices reminding customers to ask staff about allergens in relation to those foods that they've prepared themselves. Some concerns were also raised about consumer understanding of what is and isn't within the scope of prepack for direct sale, um, i.e. does it apply to loose foods, um, does it apply to distance sales, etc. And the Food Standards Agency have said that they're going to provide some information in the run up to the 1st of October 2021 to help consumers identify what prepacked for direct sale for food, prepacked for direct sale food is. Um, there was also some confusion um, in terms of the responses to the consultation as to whether quid applies. Um, so that's quantitative ingredient declarations. Um, and the short answer to that is that they don't. And the FSA confirmed in their uh, response to, to those, um, their reaction to the consultation responses, that quid isn't a requirement under Natasha's law. Um, although um, the relevant requirements for um, cooked meat and meat products containing meat um, to, to provide an indication of meat contents in things like burgers and sausages and so on, does still continue to apply. It's also worth remembering, as I've said, that the ingredients need to be given in order of weight. Um, as I mentioned earlier, when you're giving that ingredient label for those foods which are prepacked for direct sale and so within the scope of Natasha's law. Respondents to the consultation also suggested that the definition of same premises and same site should be ex expanded to include local sites trading under the same name. 
and that might reflect the fact that hub kitchens and retail units are not necessarily always in the same building complex so um, a good example of that might be if on a high street you've got um, more than one um, unit operated by a food business operator and a bit like within the airport you've got a hub kitchen that's preparing and packing the food to supply to all of them some of the respondents said well you should treat that in the same way as um, you treat those um, similar premises in an airport or in a shopping centre but the FSA responded by saying no um, that same site is intended to accommodate transfers of packaged foods within the same food business on the same premises um, it's not to cover um, those similar situations in the street um, so if you looked at that kind of example of a business a few doors away actually that's going to be treated as as pre-packed foods um, so um, all of the normal labelling requirements for pre-packed foods uh, in the view of the FSA would 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 apply to those types of um, products and that type of arrangement. I'm going to give some examples now of what's in the technical guidance which will hopefully help to explain further what is within the scope of Natasha's law. And first, I think it's worth saying that um, the FSA's technical guidance provides quite a helpful flowchart for the assessment of this. So if you're not sure whether your product or one of your customers' products um, come within um, the Natasha's law, um, then it's worth looking at um, this flowchart, which says, firstly, ask yourself if the food is packed and by that, um, it means a single item, the food and its packaging presented to the consumer, where the food is completely or partially enclosed and it cannot be altered without opening or changing the packaging. If it's packed, if it's presented to the cons consumer in packaging, you then have to consider, um, is it packaged before the consumer selects or orders it? And if it's not, that's non-pre-packed food, so it's not within the scope of Natasha's law. If it is, then you have to ask yourself, is it packaged at the same place that it's sold? If it's not, it's not pre-packed food. If it is, then it's pre-packed for direct sale. So that's back to that, looking at that, um, you know, is it on the same premises? Is it on the site, same site, or is it by the same operator on movable or temporary premises? So looking at some worked examples of that within the guidance of what will and won't be pre-packed for direct sale foods, if you've got something like a rotisserie chicken, um, which is displayed on a counter in packaging for a customer to order either from a member of staff or select themselves, um, that's pre-packed for direct sale um, because it's packed, it's packed before the customer selects it and it's packed on the same premises where it's prepared. If you look at something like a back box salad on a delicatessen counter or maybe something like olives um, on a deli counter which have been pre-portioned and put into a box either at the start of the day or, or indeed even at the end of the day when, when a retailer wants to sell the olives at a reduced price. Is it packed? Yes, because it's in a box with a, stick, a sticker on that you can't that you can't, and you can't alter it without opening the packaging. Is it packed before the customer selects or orders it? Yes, 
and is it um, packed on the same premises um, where it's sold? Well, in that example, yes, it is. So it's pre-packed for direct sale. The other example that's just worth touching on, I think, is um, a burger or boxed fried chicken. Now, that's quite interesting because the FSA guidance says that if that burger or boxed fried chicken is wrapped when it's ordered, um, then it's not pre-packed for direct sale food because it's not packed before it's being offered for sale. But if at busy times that restaurant chooses to make a, um, a whole uh, well, to pack uh, a, a whole sort of batch of, let's say, cheeseburgers, because they know they're going to get lots of orders for cheeseburgers. So they're all wrapped before the customer orders it. Then in that case, it will be pre-packed for direct sale. So those ingredient labelling obligations will apply. Um, the other example that's perhaps worth touching on um, is um, a, a hot dog served on a cardboard tray. Um, and the, in the FSA guidance, when you're looking at that, um, the hot dog on a cardboard tray isn't considered as packed because the food can be altered without opening or changing the packaging. And therefore, you don't go any further down that flow chart because it's not pre-packed for direct sale. So if you or your customers do supply foods which are classified as pre-packed for direct sale, what does that mean in practice? Well, basically, the product that's packed at the retail site will need to be labelled before being offered for sale in a very similar way to other types of pre-packed food, like that packet of crisps that's made in a factory. Um, so that's the, um, the requirements that we were talking about earlier in terms of the list of ingredients in order, um, not being um, indelible, et cetera, et cetera. And importantly, that ingredient list will need to include um, those 14 allergens that are specified under the EU legislation, um, they'll need to include that by highlighting them in the ingredients list. Um, and those are the same allergens that you have to make information available on now for non-pre-packed foods, i.e. cereals which contain gluten, so that might be barley or oats for example, crustaceans and their derivatives, eggs and their derivatives, fish and their derivatives, peanuts and their derivatives, soybeans and their derivatives, milk um, and the derivatives from milk, um, except, except for whey, um, which is used for things like alcoholic distillates, uh, nuts, so that might be almonds, hazelnuts, walnuts, etc. celery and the derivatives, mustard seeds and derivatives, sesame seeds and derivatives, sulfur dioxide and sulfides, sulfites at, at concentrations of more than 10 milligrams per kilogram or 10 milligrams per litre, lupin and mollusk. Now that requirement won't just be in England to label those pre-packed for direct sale products with ingredient information. Um, it's going to also apply um, in Wales, Northern Ireland and Scotland. They pass their legislation at slightly different times but their legislation is all coming into force on the 1st of October 2021 in line with um, the timescales for the Reg Natasha's law in England. So pulling all that together, what's the impact on your business if you don't yourself sell pre-packed for direct sale foods, but if you supply businesses who do? Well, if your customers will be affected, they're going to need to consider before the 1st of October the measures that they're going to have to put in place to ensure that the products that they're packing and selling will have to, will have ingredient 
labels on which are accurate with those 14 allergens specified in a different font um, or otherwise it's possible that those customers might decide that that's going to be too difficult or too, or too risky for them uh, particularly if they don't have direct control over the ingredients so it's possible that instead of labelling in accordance with Natasha's law, what they'll actually do between now and October the 1st is they're going to switch to a pre-packed alternative from suppliers, i.e. products that are already packed for the consumer by the manufacturer, in which case the supplier does, of course, have to label them. Or they might require their suppliers to provide them with a labelling solution. So they might, for example, ask the supplier to provide them with pre-printed bags if it's a product that the supplier themselves is, is actually making and they've just got to warm it through or, uh, or bake it um, on site before packing. Um, or they might possibly switch to displaying the foods in a different way. So, for example, they might switch to displaying packed foods as open foods um, because then they will be non-pre-packed, not pre-packed for direct sale. And won't need labelling um, but obviously that has its own risks in terms of things like preventing contamination and um, sort of traceability and um, making sure that products are properly rotated etc um, but with, with with those exceptions um, if your customers are going to actually continue to sell pre-packed for direct sale foods then they're going to be asking their suppliers to provide them with very full and accurate in information on all of the ingredients in the products they've supplied so that they can meet their obligations. Um, whereas previously, they might only have asked their suppliers for information on those 14 specified allergens. Um, the retailers are also likely, if they're sensible, to be placing more restrictions on suppliers in terms of things like product specifications, um, when substitutions can be made, um, if substitutions are made, how they're notified, etc. Um, because obviously, if the information that they have on ingredients changes at supplier level, that's going to affect the accuracy of the labels that they're preparing. Finally, in relation to the potential implications of Natasha's law on suppliers um, to the retailers who have to ensure uh, pre-packed for direct sale foods are properly labelled, it's worth remembering that Natasha's law doesn't actually impact on precautionary allergen labelling. So allergens which might be there by way of cross-contamination because it only relates to the labelling of those um, allerg those sort of ingredients that are actually within the manufacture of the product. Um, but I think in practice, Natasha's law has had the impact of um, causing a number of operators to review the way that they're providing allergen information more broadly. Um, so indirectly, suppliers will perhaps be more likely to be asked about risks of cross-contamination by their customers. Um, now, the truth is, of course, that mislabeling can happen even in that sterile factory um, environment. It's going to be really difficult in some instances um, to carry out ingredient labelling for pre-packed for direct sale foods. Um, it's very easy to see how, for example, um, mistakes could be made by store staff in labelling foods that they're preparing and packing for sale. Uh, so, for example, if, uh, if their label is pre-prepared on the basis of a particular type of bread being used for a sandwich um, and a member of staff accidentally uses 
another type of bread well that whole label will be thrown out in terms of, of accuracy equally if the member of staff um, produces their label um, from ingredients on an out-of-date specification from a supplier um, again that's going to throw the, the accuracy out or if they get the ingredient label absolutely correct for the product that they're making but get distracted for a moment and attach it to a different product um, then again you know that's that's going to mean that that label is wrong so it's very easy to see how this could be challenging in a busy in-store kitchen where lots of different products are being made by different people. Um, so all in all, I think this is likely to be a difficult thing to get right. So for planning um, for Natasha's Law coming in on the 1st of October, I just wanted to finish this podcast with some thoughts on how you can best prepare for Natasha's Law coming in to the extent that you haven't already. And if you're a supplier of, of pre-packed for direct sale foods um, to the food business operators that are actually going to be retailing um, those products, or indeed if you're supplying ingredients that are going to be used in those pre-packed for direct sale foods, talk to your customers, check what procedures um, that you and they are going to agree um, should be in place to, to make sure that the food information is accurate make sure you give clear instructions to your customers on how to make the products if it's something that you're supplying as a pre-packed for direct sale product um, so for example if it's that sort of part part baked bread give your customers clear instructions on how they should package that to make sure that the ingredients are accurate give your customers any appropriate warnings about how they use your information and possibly think about flagging um, allergen cross-contamination risks as well. If you're a food business operator that's actually going to be packaging and retailing pre-packed for direct sale food, so you're the ones that are packing it and labelling it, make sure you communicate with your suppliers and understand how they're going to be providing you with information. Make sure that you've got really robust systems in place um, to provide that accurate allergen and ingredient information. Make sure that your staff have got all of the information and equipment that they're going to need to actually implement that in practice and training, training, training all the way. Um, and finally, it's just worth remembering that it's worth looking at your complaints procedure because in the event that there are errors, particularly if you're a multiple retailer, you want to be able to pick those up quickly and implement any required changes as by way of lessons learned. Um, and finally, make sure that you document all of those safeguards that you have in place. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. I hope that's been of interest. Um, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to contact me. Um, my email address, I think, will be supplied with the podcast, but it's nicola.smith at squirepb.com. Mm -hmm.